Welcome everyone to the Lee Schools TV podcast. Joining us today is Fort Myers High School senior Dahlia Dry. Dahlia, you're the first student guest on the podcast, so thank you for being here. Absolutely. We've been I've been looking forward to this for a while. And you are a science fair whiz, champ. I don't know how to whatever you how you would describe it, but uh, I'm just going to go through your kind of list of accomplishments over the past couple of years before we begin to kind of give the people watching and listening an idea of you know what you've been working on and what you've been doing the past couple of years. So in 2017, you were awarded Best of Fair Award for the Thomas Alva Edison Regional Science and Engineering Fair here locally. You also you placed first in the Mathematics and Computer Science category. You got a $2,500 FGCU scholarship. And then later you went on to place third in math and computer science in the state science and engineering fair. And then fourth place in the international state and engineering fair. That was two years ago. And then last year, best affair again in the regional science and engineering fair. First place math and computer science. You were the keynote speaker at the state and science, state science and engineering fair. You placed first in math and computer science at the state science fair that year, this past year. And then you went on to place fourth, again, in the International Science and Engineering Fair. Quite a list of accomplishments <laughs> in the past two years. Yeah, thank you. I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and you also told me that you didn't start getting involved in science fair until sophomore year of high school. Is that right? Yeah. Did you ever think that you, you know, would become this accomplished, you know, when you were, say, a freshman in high school? Did you ever think you'd get this far? I, I, had, I had absolutely no idea. I kind of got into science fair on accident because um, I've uh, sailed since eighth grade. I do, like, regattas around the state and stuff. And so I have a lot of fun with that. And it initially started as me picking up a book on coding in Barnes & Noble, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I started coding, and then I started thinking about sailing, and I was like, oh, maybe I can – you know, figure out a way to like win more races, just kind of as like a, a fun type of thing. And then I ended up using um, like support vector machines and time series analysis and it got really in depth. So I was like, uh, might as well, you know, give science fair a shot. And, you know, little did I know, here I am today. Yeah. So you said, when was that that you picked up that book on coding? Sophomore year, you said? Um, it would have been the end of my freshman year. Okay. The end so year. before that, did you have a, a strong interest, you know, in elementary and through middle school in science? You said you were into sailing, you said? Yeah. So, um, well, yeah. Did, I mean, did you have a strong interest before high school? Um, I did, yeah. I mean, uh, when I was uh, 10 years old, we moved to Sanibel, and my parents started out a restaurant out there. And so I basically grew up there, like most of the childhood that I remember, is on Sanibel and um, just, you know, biking around and like 80% of the island is nature preserved. So you kind of develop like this curiosity about nature at a young age. And so I think that was what really started it for me. And then, um, of course, you know, they have the dark sky ordinance out there. So you can see the stars like, at, you know, probably more than definitely more than you can in Fort Myers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I ended up reading Cosmos. Um, I started that was when my astronomy interest really started. I read Cosmos and my imagination was just captured by that. And so I'd been interested in astronomy for a while, but it wasn't until science fair that I discovered how to explore it for myself. Yeah. So the the, the project that you did uh, last year that you placed uh, fourth in the International Science and Engineering Fair for, I'm just going to read the title. Um, 
It's, it was called Challenging Limitations, yeah. Using Deep Learning, Time Series Analysis, and Statistical Methods for Noise Reduction to Develop an Innovative Approach to Exoplanet Candidate Detection Using Earth-Based Telescopes. So, so two things um, jumped out at me after you know reading that. First was, wow, that's a long title. What the heck does that mean? Um, and second is that it, but it also made me really want to you know learn what it is. Like, so yeah. can you explain to me what your project was on? You know, in in layman's yeah, terms, for absolutely. those who aren't as uh, you know experienced in in astronomy as you are. Yeah, um, with the clarity of hindsight, it definitely could have been a shorter title, but that's another story. Um, so my project was essentially um, taking something that um, I'd thought about for a long time. You know, um, so like I said, I grew up interested in astronomy, but from from a layman's perspective, it's kind of hard to figure out ways to research astronomy for yourself without you know knowing like really, really advanced physics or like having access to some super big telescope. So I think um, it's it's definitely not as accessible as a field as say biology or chemistry. You know, we have great resources here. You can go to labs and stuff. Astronomy, it's, it's not really the same. Um, and so that was what it kind of started out as. And so I making was essentially- Making it more accessible. Exactly, and making astronomy more accessible. And so it kind of stemmed from that into exploring um, the Kepler exoplanet data, which is all um, free and available online for um, people to research and write papers off of. So what's an exoplanet for the people who don't know? Absolutely. Like um, so an exoplanet is any planet orbiting a star um, that's not our sun. So just um, planets outside of our own solar system. And so the main way we find exoplanets is using what's called um, light curves. And these are essentially graphs of the brightness of a star over time. And so when a planet uh, passes between a star and us, we can actually see a dip in that star's brightness um, that lets us know that there's a planet in its orbit. And so this method is kind of flawed. Um, we usually only discover the bigger planets, obviously, because we can see them more in the light curves. But it's it's the way we've discovered most of the 4,000 and change exoplanets that we know of today. Huh. And so um, I actually I designed a neural net, um, and that's essentially like um, a computer algorithm that can... I hesitate to say think for itself, but that's essentially what you're going for. Um, it is a very highly advanced analytical tool for analyzing data. And so I took these neural nets and I applied them to the light curves to analyze them and see if there were, um, like to be able to detect the presence of exoplanets in the light curves that I was looking at. And from there, I adapted those light curves, which are, of course, um, they're collected by the uh, Kepler Space Telescope, which is, has been decommissioned recently. but. Um, the thing about space telescopes is that they don't have to look through our atmosphere, so they have a lot less noise to deal with. The only problem with that is that there's a very limited number of space telescopes. Mm -hmm. So with the Kepler mission, our um, field of view for looking for new exoplanets was incredibly limited. It's only a really small portion of the sky. Um, and so I aim to kind of uh, try to use Earth-based telescopes to make those observations that Kepler was making by overcoming that central obstacle of the noise that you get when you're observing from Earth. So using the neural net that I designed, um, I simulated um, Kepler or light curves that were statistically representative of Kepler, and then I like basically amplified the noise in them to make them really hard to read to kind of simulate what you would get if you were observing from Earth. And then I adapted my neural net, did a bunch of statistics essentially, and um, tried to uh, still come out with a product that can analyze those light curves find new exoplanets despite the data being impaired to mimic Earth conditions. And how did it turn out? 
Um, it, it turned out really well. Um, so I, uh, I guess because you won a bunch of awards. <laughs> um, I think my algorithm had around an 85% um, successful classification rate, meaning that like 85% of the time it could still tell um, whether there was an exoplanet orbiting in a given light curve. And so was that um, better than you had had hoped for? Or? Um, yeah, you know, I, I I had no clue what to hope for sure. going into it, yeah. um, but it was definitely a good result. I was kind of aiming for anything like above fifty because mm -hmm. fifty would just be like guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, it turned out well. So basically, you you designed this neural net yeah. to help or to improve Earth-based telescopes' abilities to detect. You know, through all that noise, yeah. through the atmosphere, uh, their ability to detect exoplanets. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So so was that your first project that you did that, you know, kind of propelled you into the science fair world of, of you know, people that go really far in the science fair? That's That, that was your first? Sure. Oh, that was no, last that year. Was, that was yeah. last year. Sorry. What did you do junior year? Um, so junior year, I was I did that project that was inspired by sailing. So I essentially wanted to predict wind shifts because when you're sailing in a race, um, if you can tell that the wind's going to shift, then you go along a certain side of the course and you can usually end up being like way ahead of everyone else. Mm -hmm. That's usually how you win. And so I figured, you know, maybe if I can see the future, then I can, you know, uh, win more races and stuff. And so it, it just started out like that. And um I used um, time series analysis. It's called autoregressive integrated moving average modeling and um, support vector machines, which are like a type of artificial intelligence, to um, analyze wind data that I collected. I built like this little, like really cheap Raspberry Pi uh, apparatus connected to like um, a wind vane. <laughs> so you can tell what direction the wind's going. And I just took like a bunch of data and um, essentially like extrapolated um, to see the future wind shifts um, with, a, with a pretty good degree of accuracy. So that was that project. Yeah. Cool. Going back to the your your telescope yeah. project, did that did you make a discovery that a lot of people were interested in in, in further researching? Um well the interesting thing is that um at the time that I was doing that, um Kepler was our only uh, virtually our only uh space telescope that was really getting a lot of data on exoplanets and um now a few months ago, we launched TESS, and so TESS is the the new generation of space exploration that's going to explore essentially the entire sky in a window of a few years um, to find new exoplanets, and so we basically just had this huge leap forward in the field. Um, and so what I was doing is trying to solve that problem of, you know, the immense cost of space telescopes and um, our limited field of view. And so part of that is going to be solved in the future mm. by TESS. Um, but it's it's still, I think people found it interesting um, that we were still able to classify the data despite such noisy conditions. And I think that was what was really innovative about the project is that I wasn't trying to get the best observational equipment possible, which usually in astronomy you want the most precise data possible. But I essentially um, provided evidence to support the idea that we have such advanced analytic tools um, nowadays in the form of like neural nets and, and things that we can compromise some of the precision of our instruments and still have really accurate results, which would essentially allow us to, you know, really expand the scope of the things that we're exploring by not just always trying to get the most precise equipment, the most expensive equipment, and the most, you know, limited equipment essentially. Cool. So what was it like? So last year the at the international 
science and engineering engineering fair it was in pittsburgh right yeah so what was that what was that experience like for you had you ever been there before um i'd never been to pittsburgh before mm-hmm. but you had um, been to an international science fair yeah what, where was it the year before los angeles los angeles okay so which one were they both similar or both pretty different um they, they were both similar um i mean it's it's a different experience every time around um the first time i went it was like a truly magical experience it was it was crazy i mean i had never been across the country before and so we land in la and it's just like this whole nother like is <laughs> this whole nother world and it you walk um down the street in like downtown la and they have this huge convention center with like a big banner on it and it's like intel international science and engineering fair and you're just like <laughs> like whoa this is Can't i'm, I'm, I'm here. here i'm yeah. here for this um and so uh yeah it was just amazing experience and and pittsburgh um was just the same i mean they really go out of their way to just make it like the coolest thing ever <laughs> so is it like a, a big convention center how many yeah. different students take part in these oh, international gosh. science fairs um i've forgotten the figures I, I thousands think yeah um i think it's around 1500 kids okay. from like 80 plus countries, wow. regions, and stuff like that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Though. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I won't. Uh, and you were, so you were the, you were the keynote speaker at the state science and engineering fair last, last year. Um, yeah. well, I guess it was 20, 2018 still, so yeah. still this year. But uh, what did they ask you if you wanted to speak? How did that come about? And were, were you, excited to do it nervous <laughs> um well it's it's a program called the um so it's the jason colloquium and it stands for junior and senior outstanding narratives and um essentially it's like by application um and i wasn't uh considering applying but uh, then mr hughes who's our science fair coordinator mm-hmm. here um had nominated me and uh so essentially they just ask you to send in what your speech would be and then they they pick you based on that and so uh, my speech was called Math, the Story of an Unrequited Love. And um, it was uh, basically about how I've always really loved math, but I haven't, you know, I'm not really the best at it. It's not what I'm naturally skilled at. And so um, I had always loved astronomy, but I wasn't really sure if I could be like an astrophysicist because, you know, I, I don't have like the intuition to be the one who's like writing equations on boards, you know, having that eureka moment. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it was that was kind of where I was until I did science fair and I went to internationals and I saw all of these amazing projects and I realized that you know I already had this knack for computer science I could combine that with my love for astronomy and so that spawned my whole 2018 project and so it was really just a speech about how science fair has broadened my horizons in such an amazing way and you know allowed me to pursue my passion so your interest in science kind of opened up a, a newfound interest in math yeah. Um, I mean, I always uh, just kind of enjoyed um, math just because it's like a puzzle yeah. and I like puzzles because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a nerd. And um, so I, I just really love, you know, solving uh, problems and doing math homework. And I don't, it doesn't always come naturally to me. Um, I mean, I, I have tons of friends who are like crazy good at math, like way better than I am, but I, I still enjoy it nonetheless. And so, yeah. Yeah. How much math is there in computer science and astronomy? Um, is there a lot or? Astronomy is a lot of math. Yeah. Like astrophysics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, it's a lot of math, especially theoretical astrophysics. Um, but, uh, you know, there's computational and observational astrophysics, which is is more, um, uh, you know, different skill sets there. Computer science 
there there is some math, but I would say it's more logic. And so that that works really well to me. I mean, I guess it's like the puzzle solving aspect, but without the <laughs> math. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you said you you moved to Sanibel when you were how old? Um, I would have been nine. Nine, okay. Yeah. Where, where where did you live before that? Um, we lived in Naples. Naples, okay. Yeah. So you're yeah. born and raised in Southwest Florida. Yeah. Okay. And where'd you go to um, elementary and middle school? Um, the Sanibel School. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, so you said you were. When did you kind of first realize that you were really interested in in science, and and how did that come about, or is it just was it a gradual thing? I know you said you picked up that book on coding, and that yeah. that kind of propelled things. But was it something? Did something happen that you were interested when you were really young? Um, I think I've, you know, I've always um, really just loved like learning about nature and stuff. Yeah, you mentioned growing um, up on San Bell and the stars. Yeah, that stuff. Um, But uh, I think it would have been seventh grade uh, and I read Cosmos and all of a sudden science wasn't just like this like, you know, like problem solving, like mathy sort of thing. It was also something that was like really, really beautiful Mm -hmm. and like amazing. And so I think that was what did it. Yeah. So going back to that speech you gave, what what was the, how many, kind of paint us a picture, what was that like? Did you, you know, get up on a stage and there was hundreds of people? What was it like? <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was really nerve wracking. Um, so I practiced, I don't know, like a thousand times and I still didn't feel ready. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess this up. Because I mean, there's really not any way to prepare for that kind of experience for the first time. And so um, I had to go to school in the morning and I like couldn't concentrate on anything. I was just like so scared. And so it was a very, very long day until we um, finally got to, it was like seven or eight o'clock or something. And so I'm like up on the stage that's like the auditorium is so full. You can't, I, I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't even see the back of it with like the lights and stuff. And I think what stands out the most to me was that when you're in like a big room like that with a microphone, there's this really weird echo, like your voice, you hear it twice. <laughs> and so that's probably the most I remember while giving the speech. It's kind of black out, right? Yeah. When you start. <laughs> I was like trying not to get screwed up by the voice echo. Yeah. Did you get like a round of applause at the end? Yeah. You didn't screw it up? Yeah. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How did you feel when it was over? Very, very relieved. Kind of woke back up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was very cool. I mean, I mean, I've been, you know, since I went out to the the regional science fair, was out at um, FGCU, right, yeah. in their uh, arena there. Yeah. And that's when you won best affair. So I've kind of been, you know, following your science fair career, <laughs> if yeah. you can say, it. Uh, you know, ever since then, and uh, very interesting, and I'm kind of excited to see you know, where you go. So what, what are your, your future goals? You know, where do you want to go to school? What do you want to study? And, you know, maybe eventually what kind of career do you want to have? Um, uh, well, I'm, you know, applying to a lot of colleges. Um, I definitely don't want to say anywhere particular because I don't know where I've gotten into. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. Um, so I would like to major in um, astrophysics. Um, it'll probably be like a physics major undergrad because usually you'll do like something general undergrad and then grad school, you'll go more specialized. Um, but I already mentioned like theoretical astrophysics, not really my forte. Um, so I would really like to do like um, kind of a hybrid of observational and computational astronomy. So it would be like um, designing models um, computationally and then kind of verifying those using like telescope observations and stuff. Um, so exactly what topic I would want to explore. Um, that's the journey I'm looking forward to in college. Yeah. But 
astronomy related yeah. in some capacity because that's Absolutely. your favorite kind of science what other than astronomy what other kind of science do you like um well in school i mean because you don't really get like the opportunity to take astronomy stuff in school mm -hmm. um so it's mainly like i take biophysics chem um i do really enjoy chemistry um i don't know it's just like a lot of different things like a lot of different types of thinking are involved um so yeah i like that what is it about astronomy that speaks to you I guess um, it's hard to <laughs> hard to put into yeah. words. Um, it, was, it was I think astronomy was always my favorite. Yeah. Science um, when I was going through school too. Just yeah. Whatever it is about it, just the the unknown. Yeah. And there's just so much more to explore. I, yeah. It, it never like I don't know. It's always just like this like really really like slightly scary like really cool feeling that I get. Mm -hmm. Like I'll just look up and you know when you think about how everything beyond our like the sky is out there and we just spend like 90% of our day not really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, the more for some people is just like mind boggling to me. Yeah. And so, um, I feel like, like studying astronomy for the rest of my life is essentially like getting to just daydream and yeah. like have the best time. Is yeah. there some, is there some question about what's out there that you want to try to answer? Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's like a specific question, like the theory of everything. I'm not really in it for the theory of everything. I, I think a lot of people are, um, you know, uh, trying is, to answer the, the theory big of questions. everything for people who. Um, I, I think a lot of it is uniting like quantum physics and general relativity, okay. and you know, just coming up with like, this like perfect theory that describes the universe. Gotcha. Um, answering the big questions basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I'm just kind of in it for like the small beauties that you find along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I um have gotten into like astrophotography. So I've used some of that um, really awesome science fair money to uh, get like a telescope and stuff. And so um, just last night I was like out taking pictures and you know, it's like the coolest thing when you'll see like the dumbbell nebula or like some like spiral galaxy that you can like see with your own eyes. And um, just like exploring that for yourself is um, so inspiring to me and so exciting. And like every time I see some kind of really cool space picture. Like I never fail to get excited about it. Yeah. Do yeah. you do you um, follow astronomy related news a lot and read yeah. a lot? Are there is there anything that you've read recently that you know any like recent discoveries that have really excited you that you've read about? Um, well, I think obviously um, I know that the Insight rover um, just landed on Mars, mm -hmm. and um, you know <laughs> I thought that was really cool. Um, you know. I think it's really exciting to think about like the future of, of space travel. And, um, I was actually listening to a podcast, um, speak of, about, you know, like the necessity of space travel and like the future of the human race and stuff. Mm. And that's all like super fascinating to me, even though I don't think I could be an engineer. Um, I do think it's really interesting to follow like, uh, space missions and just like the amazing things that we accomplish. Yeah. Um, you, you know, when you think about how hard it is to land this like robotic thing, on a piece of rock, like mm. thousands of mi millions of miles away, mm. it's crazy. Yeah, that that was NASA's, right? Yeah. What do you think about you know what um, Elon Musk is doing over at SpaceX and all that? And he talking about you know he it's his goal to eventually get you know the first person to Mars. Um, I think that's that's really fascinating. Um, definitely, I mean, private space, uh, private space exploration is the future, um, no doubt. I mean. We, we all know the government doesn't have enough money to, <laughs> to do all that stuff. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see where it goes. I think it's just like in its infancy at this point. Um, but definitely if we're, if we're going to go anywhere, it's going to be probably with the, with at least the assistance of, you know, private space flight companies. Yeah. Do you think that in your lifetime that you'll see, you know, a man or woman land on Mars? Probably be a group of people actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, cause we've, we've said it since practically the sixties. Yeah. Um, I think we need to get back to the moon first. Mm. And that was, um, when was the last time different. somebody oh, went gosh. on the moon? It's been, I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I feel like I've read, um, they're working on the new space launch system, which is supposed to be like the rocket that takes us to Mars and stuff. And I, I believe I've read that one of their like beginning missions is going to be going back to the moon. Just as kind um, of like a, like a test run almost. Yeah. Mm. And, um, I think there's like a lot of that capability that we've lost because we've all, we've just been doing like robotic spacecraft. And so we need to kind of like get our bearings with, um, you know, uh, human manned, uh, Space, uh, space travel mm -hmm. again and um but yeah there's definitely a lot of engineering challenges um with going to mars but i think it's interesting um because you know a common thing that people might say is you know oh why are we you know spending all this money trying to go to mars when we have so many problems on earth and you know it, it is a valid criticism but i think people tend to overlook um how many of the problems facing us today can be solved by figuring out how to take a bunch of people to Mars because essentially to get to Mars, um, you know, it takes seven minutes to even hear back, um, from, you know, uh, Mars transmissions to get to earth. So you essentially have to develop like a self-sustaining ecosystem inside a spacecraft for that to even be feasible, which is something that we, we haven't, you know, managed to do yet with people. And, um, so there's just so many things like, I mean, environmentally, um, technology wise, um, that, innovations that would you know stem from learning how to go to mars that could definitely yeah, be applied. discoveries made along the way that yeah. they weren't necessarily trying to implement here on earth but they could discover something in their in the in the course of their research and development of trying to get to mars that oh hey we just discovered something yeah. that could really benefit people here on earth uh so is that is that something that you are that you would be interested like maybe working for nasa or, or spacex one day is that um I think, well, I think working for NASA would be awesome. Um, I, I do know a lot of what they do is, you know, engineering related. And I, um, while I find that really fascinating, I think I would definitely um, want to stick on the research side mm -hmm. um, with astrophysics. But um, I mean, where I'm going to work in the future is. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I mean, you're so still far. in high school. Yeah. Uh, what is it about just science in general, the, the, the scientific process? Uh, that that you really enjoy um well i think it's interesting in terms of like um mankind as a whole because we all like go through life with subjective experiences that's like inherently you know part of being human is we all have these different perspectives and um you know we kind of have these like um a lot of times it seems like we have like irreconcilable differences and it, it's you know hard for anyone to agree on anything but mm -hmm beautiful thing about science, one of the many beautiful things about science, is that it's this attempt to get the most objective view of reality possible in this single, like, unified understanding yeah, of the world around us. To get us. to the truth. Yeah. yeah. So if that's what you like, truth, just discovering you know? <laughs> yeah. what is truth, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so my next question is, what, uh, so we talked about your, your 
past projects. So what are you working on? You said that the the next science fair is coming up in January. Yeah. So it's right around the corner. Yeah. So obviously I'm assuming that you're submitting a, a project. So what are you working on right now? Um, I'm taking what I did last year in a slightly different direction. Um, doing uh, even more of a computational focus than before. Um, so I'm looking at um, a statistical analysis of the uh, Kepler candidate stars. So that means that, uh, stars that have been confirmed to like host exoplanets um, and their exoplanets. So I'm analyzing uh, various physical properties like um, you know orbital radius, uh, mass, uh, metallicity, things like that in the stars. And then um, from the, those um, Kepler light curves that I was studying, um, I'm determining the orbital elements of um, the, their exoplanets and you know validating that um, according to the Kepler data. So I'm um, trying to automate that whole process. And then um, I'm going to do like a really in-depth um, statistical analysis uh, of the physical characteristics using um, most likely like some support vector machine um, type apparatus to attempt to develop like a probabilistic model. Um, so say I have a star with XYZ characteristics, I can have a program that spits out an approximate estimate of the probability of that star hosting a planetary system because research suggests that there's definitely various properties of stars that would make them more likely to um, you know be formed with a protoplanetary disk and for um, planets to evolve and so I think there's a lot we can learn by analyzing um, that statistical data not necessarily um, looking at you know you know finding future exoplanets because um, uh, when we're looking I mean this is more applicable um, in the Kepler era. So when you are trying to look for new exoplanets, you have to decide where to look to begin with, right? And so if we have a better understanding of what stars are more likely to host exoplanets, that makes the whole process a lot more efficient. Hmm. How long, how long, well, how far along are you in, in the project at this point? Um, well, you I am. Are almost <laughs> done, halfway? Uh, I would say about halfway. Yeah. Um, yeah. College college applications have um, been oh, yeah. a rough thing to manage. Uh, but um, yeah, definitely um, about halfway. And usually, um, you know, I, I get to regionals. I just try to have like a finished project, but then I expand a lot before, you know, if if I make it to states and, you know, if I make it back to internationals, it's it's kind of a work in progress mm -hmm. along the way. So how how long from start to finish when you when you work on a project? Like, and it's just you, right? Yep. Doing this whole project by yourself, no help, right? Oh. For the most part. I mean, you have help from teachers learning about how to... I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> it's all you. So from start to finish, how, how long does it take? Oh. How many um, hours of research and then experimenting? And I always wish I had recorded the hours. And, like, I always start out and I'm like, I'm going to record the hours. And then I don't record the hours. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, gosh. So when did um, you start? Like, day when was day one of this one that you were working on? Uh, it was, like, August. August. Yeah. Okay. So it's um, been a few months now. Yeah. And it's it's usually um, some weeknights in the weekend. I would rough, – very rough approximation would be, like, maybe – 15 sometimes 20 hours a week yeah yeah so do you have i mean are you involved in other extracurriculars or does this pretty much take up most of your time outside of school I am. yeah science fair um is something that i try my very best to fit in along the side uh the sidelines um so i am involved in uh sailing um you know academic team math team um, just a, a variety of other things. Um, I'm a board member on the, the I Will Mentorship Foundation, which is an organization okay. that does like outreach yeah. here in Florida. 
Um, I've hosted um, some computer science workshops in various capacities uh, for kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, you better get into all those schools that you're applying to. <laughs> uh, I I ran into Mr. Hughes in the hallway the other day, and he I told him that you were coming on the podcast, and he he mentioned something that we might. Uh, talk about is he said that you were you traveled over the summer for research. I did. Where'd you go? Um, I went to New Mexico. Okay. So I was um, actually selected to attend um, the summer science program in astrophysics. It's co-sponsored by MIT Caltech and Harvey Mudd. And uh, so with 35 other people, we flew to the middle of the New Mexican desert, essentially, um, at New Mexico Tech. 3,500 people, is that what you said? Or, uh, no, it was uh, 35 uh, people. Oh. So there were 36 of us, um, okay. and we were out in New <laughs> yeah. I thought I heard 3,500. <laughs> oh, no. And so, uh, yeah, there were 36 of us. We were out in New Mexico for 39 days, and we um, each did research um, using the observatory there to define the orbital elements, so essentially you're calculating the trajectory of a near-Earth asteroid. Mm -hmm. So my team and I, uh, we did 19, the asteroid 1911MT, um, which is also, we affectionately called it Albert, um, that's his colloquial name. And uh, so we calculated its orbital elements, um, simulated its trajectory like uh, millions of years into advance to kind of see like the decay of its orbit and you know where it, where it ends up going. Ours is ejected from the solar system, so it won't be hitting Earth anytime soon. Um, but it was really just this like amazing experience. My first um, hands-on experiment uh, experience with like observatory telescopes and protocols um, and doing um, you know all the aspects of astronomy. So like analytical um, when you're analyzing like um, data. So you do your astrophotometry, or sorry, your your astrometry. Um, to get like the coordinates of your asteroid photometry to determine the magnitude. Um, and it was essentially just like a whole lot of coding to calculate the trajectory. Um, but it, it was a really amazing experience. Hmm. Yeah. So how long were you there? All Most of the summer or? Uh, 39 days. Okay. Yeah. And it was just 36 of you. Who are, who are the other people that were there? Other students? Um, yeah, there were kids from around the country. Um, a few, there were, uh, I think like five or six kids from like international. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was quite a diverse bunch of kids and um so it was us and then we had like uh four uh tas and two academic directors yeah so do you have that had nothing to do with the project that you're working for on for science fair yeah okay what uh do you have a do you have a favorite scientist that you really admire that you know there's so many know. yeah <laughs> um oh gosh um you can talk about it more than one if you like <laughs> uh Favorite astrophysicist would have to be Carl Sagan, hands down, um, just because like he was the the one who introduced it all to me um, with cosmos. And uh, you know, I tend to admire um, the scientists who have like this rare gift for expressing their love of science in a poetic way. And you know, that's something that I would aspire to do. You know, if I end up being able to make a career in astronomy, um, I'd really like to try to write about it, um, you know, for the general public in that magical way, trying to try to kind of, you know, get people inspired. And so Carl Sagan um, was definitely um, probably my biggest role model in um, astronomy. But um, the first scientist who made me kind of realize that science is this beautiful thing was Rachel Carson. So I read um, Silent Spring and uh, some of her other books like The Edge of the Sea. Who's, who is she? Tell me about her. Um, she was the one who ended up uh, essentially leading the cause to get DDT banned in the United States. Um, so she was env an environmentalist. And, uh, 20th she, century? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it was, it would have been like, I think like the 60s, okay. mid, mid 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she ended up getting DDT banned because that was, um, you know, a really harmful pesticide that people were just using like all over the place. Yeah. And um, it was killing the birds. And so she was one of the first to realize that. And she, uh, she wrote Silent Spring. You know, it was a huge hit and it had a really big effect on, you know, getting DDT banned in the United States and around the world. Mm-hmm. And in her books, she writes this beautiful prose about like, um, you know, the edge of the sea and the wildlife you find there and these like little tiny infinities. And um, yeah, that was that was the first really magical science writing that I ever read. Cool. Uh, did you feel kind of a special connection to her too because she's a woman and that it's, you know, probably, you know, male-dominated field? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to find, um, you know, like prominent, um, you know, female astrophysicists mm-hmm. um, at least um, – and so, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it's it's kind of different when you read like a woman's um, perspective in, um, in like science literature. And so, you know, definitely reading that she was the first like scientist that I aspired to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, do you enjoy, do you like watching like science fiction movies about space? Um, I know that I've listened to, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson. He loves to like, you know, nitpick science you know uh space movies and say oh that that would never happen or that's not the way it is and are you like that do you watch movies and Um, say well that's not how it really is and that's not scientifically accurate or (laughs) i don't know i don't i don't watch too much sci-fi like i've I've never seen um the original star wars i've only seen the new ones i know get out of here i know you can leave now (laughs) never seen star trek um so, I mean, those are the big ones. But some recent ones like uh, uh, Gravity or Interstellar. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy those. My family won't watch Interstellar with me because they say it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> I really like it, though, even though um, some things are slightly yeah. questionable. Yeah. It's a confusing movie. I've seen it like three times and I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to yeah. wrap it around my head. Um, all right. Well, so um, do you have any – I know you mentioned sailing. Um do you have any other hobbies outside of, you know, what you do with science fair and, and experimenting and, and sailing? Anything else that you're interested in that you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, well, sure. Astrophotography um, is still a very nerdy astronomy thing, but it is uh, something that I do outside of science fair. Um, and so I'll, um, whenever it's cold and clear, uh, which is rare in Florida, but um, it's I'll, rare I'll, about now though, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is, now's the time, and so um, I, I'll go out, and even though it's a school night, I'll be out till like three thirty in the morning, wow. like taking pictures, and uh, um, yeah. And you there's... can stay awake the next day at school. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I found um, by necessity that I tend to do well with little sleep, which mm. is probably one of my strengths. Mm. <laughs> Proud of that, um, but I've read that. Um... Not to make any assumptions about you, but I've read that introverts can handle less sleep than, than extroverted people can. I think that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, something that's super fun. So, And I, I can do it while multitasking. So astrophotography involves, um, especially since we're in a light-polluted area in Fort Myers, you take um, a lot of exposures, maybe like 90 seconds or so, mm-hmm. um, and you just, like, stack them. So... Uh, for example, like last night, I was photographing a spiral galaxy. It's uh, NGC 891. Um, and so I took like 80, 90-second exposures, which understandably takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And so you, I would basically just like cue that up and then go inside and do like homework and stuff and then come back and check on it. Yeah. 
What kind of camera do you use? Um, it's a, a CCD. So uh, a lot of people do like DSLR. Yeah. Um, but where I was in New Mexico, that kind of like got me introduced to, you know, like real astrophotography. Like before I could just like look at Saturn and be like, oh, that's cool. Mm. But, you know, now I like kind of know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and so I, I use a, a CCD. It's that's um, an acronym for a charge coupled device. And so I originally uh, got one last year um, to do like actual science fair research and then this year, I'm just using it for fun. Are those more expensive than a than a DSLR? Or um, not necessarily. No. The nice ones are. Yeah. Um, but uh, the one I use is like cheaper than your average like camera. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so sailing. How how often do you do you sail? Um. Well, I used to do it quite often. I haven't had time in the the past year or so. Mm. Um. But um, someone you grew up doing. Out on uh, Sanibel or? Yeah, uh, I started like seventh grade, mm -hmm. um, went to a summer camp and loved it. And so I've, you know, done it ever since. Um, but uh, like freshman, sophomore year, I was really involved. Um, so I usually will sail like uh, on Saturdays and then like one day during the week. And uh, so I do like regattas around the state. I sail single-handed and double-handed boats. And um, yeah, that's just like a really... Uh, uh, a lot of the college I'm asking to, they ask like, what's something that you do just for fun? So, it, you know, sailing is, is mm. that for me. Are there sailing clubs that you, um, yeah, I'm we sure actually... around here there's so much water. There's gotta be sailing <laughs> clubs, right? Yeah. I mean, we started like a sailing club at school, but, mm. um, we all sail, uh, through Edison Sailing Center. Okay. Yeah. And do you have any, um, harrowing stories of sailing? Uh, um, I don't know. It does, or just... it's, it's kind of a funny, uh, sport because like when there's no wind, um, you're basically just like sitting there, but then when there is wind, it's <laughs> quite chaotic. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's a really fun time. I mean, just like basically, um, there's something called a hiking strap. So the boats that we sail are like maybe like 10 feet long. So it's, it's really pretty tiny. You're just kind of sitting there mm -hmm. and there's, um, this little strap in the center. And so when it gets windy, you want to, um, push your push more weight outside of the boat to keep the boat down so you essentially like hang from your toes off this strap in the middle of the boat and you're like flying kind of right. uh which is like a really awesome thing slightly scary <laughs> um but it tends to get real interesting when there's a lot of wind and you mm -hmm. have big metal bars whipping around yeah <laughs> yeah cool um and it's cool that you you know you've been able to kind of combine your two interests, you know, when you're the project you did a couple of years ago involving, you know, reading the wind and predicting the future and stuff <laughs> yeah. to, to implement into, into sailing. Uh, is there, that's all the questions I really have for you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Um, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that's good for me. I know you have, you know, you have a final here I do. in a, in a couple hours. So good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. And good luck with, uh, your future science fair projects and good luck with, your college applications and um yeah we'll be following you and excited about your future i'm sure you'll do great things so thank, thank you, you again so for yeah. uh coming on the podcast absolutely all right dahlia dry senior at fort myers high school uh, thank you for watching and listening we'll see you next time